Thanks for listening to the Grace Life Podcast, where we want to know God, love people, and reach our world. If you have any questions or you want to learn more about us, you can always check us out online by going to gracelife.me. We'd love for you to stay connected throughout the week and everywhere you go with the gracelife.church app. It's free and available wherever you download your apps. Now let's get to this week's message in our You Asked For It series, a series designed from questions we've received from you. veterans to stand up and let's honor them. Veterans, stand up, please. Amen. We owe you much more honor than we can show you, so we just want to say thank you. Uh, It is because of them, the sacrifice they've given, as well as the many of you that are still in active duty at the moment that allows us to have the freedom to worship here today that we do. Yeah, that's awesome, isn't it? So, hey, some of you had a rough day yesterday, and you didn't have much reason to cheer. Yeah. I noticed the intercession level in the heavenlies went up dramatically in the fourth quarter of the Alabama game. But anyway, I want to give all of you, no matter what your color, what your team, or what your favorite sport, I want to give all of you a reason to cheer. We are closing on the purchase of our building this week. Come on, let's hear that. Yep. We will officially own it, and demolition inside will start Saturday. Woo, come on, yeah. That means in about six months, you will not have to stand in line in the bathroom. Yeah, there you go. Come on. Yeah, who's looking forward to that? So for a couple of weeks, at least, there will be a lot of work going on inside. You may not see much, but we're going to keep you up to date. And, you know, every time you drive by, just feel free to keep praying. God does amazing things. It's exciting to see what he is doing here at Grace Life and through Grace Life. So that is awesome. All right. Hey, we've got a special guest with us today, and I want to tell you a little bit about him first. His name is Randy Thornton, and he is more than just a guest speaker. He is my pastor. Uh, he is the guy that I met in Romania many, many years ago. When I was a single kid right out of college, uh, one of my duties in the mission team that I, I had there was to drive people from the airport to wherever they were going. And so I picked up this team at the airport, and all of the other guys went inside to a meeting, and Randy opted not to go inside to the meeting and instead to take a walk with the van driver, me, for whatever reason. And God was speaking to him, and, and as we're just walking and talking, God told me I would work with this man which I thought was funny because I just met him and I'd also just moved to the other side of the planet. So I thought, well, I might have missed that one. But sure enough, about a year and a half later when my wife and I had just gotten married and we moved back to the States, the place where God put us was at his church. Over time, I became the worship pastor and the youth pastor there, spent eight years there. Not only is he my pastor, the reason I really want you guys to help me honor him here in just a moment is because he is the one responsible for what you have today. He sent out the team to start Grace Life Church. And he and his church provided overwhelming uh, financial resources, sent two of the three families that were here, supported us during the time when we were struggling and and there was nothing else going on, Uh, came down and did the funeral for our daughter in the in-between as we were waiting on the church to get off the ground. I mean, he's just been with us all throughout. You wouldn't have what you have today if it weren't for him believing in Grace Life and also him putting up with me for eight years. So if you love anything about me, you owe this man a huge debt of gratitude. Would you join me in welcoming Randy Thornton and honoring him? Come on, Randy. Yeah. 
So we are kicking off a new series today, and Randy gets to be the first one. If you were here at Easter, we asked you to fill out a little card and said, what would you like us to speak about? And some of those questions were really short. We did those back during our Q&A series where we just kind of do popcorn answers. But some of the uh, questions that you asked were longer. And so we've taken six of those questions that we think would pertain to the majority of you, and we're going to answer them for these six weeks. And so today I've given Randy the fun topic of answering the question one of you asked, but chances are every one of us should have asked this. How do I control my mouth? Take it away. Woo. Amen. Amen. Hey, before we get started, um, just again, I want to say welcome from our family to your family. Uh, and uh, I look forward to the future of us doing kingdom work, kingdom-minded ministries together. Um, again, I met Jimmy, and Ramo back then there wasn't a Ramona, uh, Jimmy. And one of the things that was really, uh, again, God so impressed me that I, I met this young man, and the Lord, did, you know, when God put something on your heart, so I took Jimmy. I said, hey, Jimmy, let's do a little walk or whatever. And the uh, Lord spoke to me, says, this man has a call of leadership on his life. There's an authority. There's an anointing. Literally, it's an apostolic anointing. That's a builder of builders, a, a planter of churches. The Lord spoke to me. says he's called to be an apostle plant five churches or be a part of planting five churches. So here, this young kid that tried to kill me with luggage and driving. <clears throat> I wish I could almost say literally. <laughs> oh, so we've been through a lot of life together. <clears throat> And then he brought Ramona. And I, I will tell you one, one of the things. I, I mentioned Ramona. I have a, one of our other churches that we planted, uh, Heath Cadell. Jimmy was our first youth pastor, and his youth group started with my daughter. That was it. <clears throat> so, you know, uh, and then we had another youth pastor. We planted a church with him in Leland. And then we had another church um, that we just helped part plant, the, another youth pastor, is there in Hawaii, Brandon DiBianca. Uh, but one of the things that uh, is, if you know Ramona, she loves God. And she is the most worshiping, Larry, Heath Cadell's father, Larry Cadell says, when I see Ramona, all I can think of her is in the midst of good or bad, her hands are outstretched, she loves Jesus and worships like nobody else. Amen? Amen, folks. You have a couple in your ministry right now that are going to impact this city. There's an authority and an anointing upon them as a couple and Jimmy as a pastor to make impacts in inroads into this city. And I will tell you, when, when we started Grace Church 30 years ago, you know, since then we've literally seen tens of thousands of people come to Christ. Tens of thousands. The number of people that have been raised up, the number of leaders, and there's an anointing on Jimmy and Ramona as a couple and upon this church that I believe that you're going to impact the nations. And I will tell you right now, literally, if I could 20 years from now, the tens of thousands of people, because evangelism and training leaders is such a core priority in Jimmy and Ramona's life, literally, the kingdom of God's going to be advanced in a forceful way. So... That's good for you guys. I'm telling you, you have a great pastor. And I love him. Um, it's, you know, it's the good thing since I can do that, right? I can yeah. say that. <clears throat> Amen. So, looking for these glasses. 
I tell you, old getting, there's, I'm just getting closer to Jesus, but it kind of sucked. <laughs> All right. Jimmy gave me the easy topic of telling you how or helping you learn how to control your tongue. How many of you know this is one of the most, if not the most difficult thing you're going to have to do in your life? Okay, and we're going to talk about why that's such a difficult thing, is how can I control what I say? How can I control what I speak? And that the power of words, it's either life or death. In Deuteronomy, it says, Deuteronomy 28, it says, you can either choose life or death, blessings or curses. Choose life or death. And so, in life, our future is determined by what we think and what we say. Luke chapter 6, verse 45 says, A good, produ- good person produces good things from the treasure of good in his heart. Treasury of good. In other words, in every person's life, you have in your mind, your will, your emotion, a treasure. And what you think about, what processes that, that you allow in your mind, either you build for good and for life and for love, or you, what you sit and think about can become bad. It says, an evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. What you say flows from what's in your heart. In other words, another scripture says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. I always say this, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth leaks. Because you can for a season, right? You can control for a little bit. what you think, or maybe even say. But if you're not real careful, eventually your heart's really going to be exposed because it leaks. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So can a person have what they think transform so what they speak brings life, not death? And we're going to talk about it. It's not just what you say to others that is as bad. Yes, it's bad. But it's also what you say to yourself and what you believe about yourself and what you listen to. Because what you listen to, what you think about, is eventually going to land in your heart and the treasure of your heart is going to speak. Psychologists tell us we have thousands and thousands of thoughts every day. And what we do with those thoughts is very important. Now, when it comes to communication and to listening. It says men and women are different, but basically when it comes to communication, it says that men and women can speak typically between 125 to 150 words. Now, men tend to speak at a slower pace than women. Women do have a broader vocabulary, many more words, right? Now, one of the things also with men, and men have a slower hearing capacity because <laughs> Sisters, can I get an amen there? So, men tend to not hear all that is said. But again, we can hear 500 to 600 words per minute. We speak at 125 to 150. We hear at 500 to 600. But when we're listening with our ears, our mind can process up to 1,300 words per minute. In other words, Jimmy is telling me something, 
and I'm sitting there thinking of this and this and this in response to what he's saying. So as soon as he finishes whatever words he's saying, I have two or three varieties of what I can say back to him. Are you guys tracking with me? It's called self-dialogue or self-talk. So in other words, your ability to communicate is to hear, process, and speak back. Now, we're going to talk about those 1,300 words. Either they are going to be life and love that lead to blessings, or they're going to be negative, they're going to be critical, they're going to be harmful, and they're going to bring curses upon you or upon those that you speak. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth is going to speak. So how many of you know we need to know if there's going to be a change in your life? There has to be a change in our thoughts that lead to what we think about into our hearts. Out of what we think about affects our emotions, and out of our emotion, it affects our actions. And you can stuff stuff for a little while, but eventually it's going to leak. So your true colors will show. In order to do that, I want to talk about two, a story of two boys. This partic- these two boys grew up at Grace, their family. I have two boys, two girls, and I, have, I, I wish I only had one or two stories. I have tons of these type of illustrations. These two boys grew up. Their father passed away at a massive heart attack at age 44, the oldest boy being 12. The two boys, they, they grew up at Grace. And what's funny is how they, they both had the same opportunity, the same messages, the same people trying to reach out to them, but how they responded differently. In life, you're going to have difficulties. You're going to have bad things happen. If, it's not if, it's when. But how you respond to it is going to affect your future and the destiny that God has for you. His destiny isn't going to change but how you respond to that destiny will be affected by what you process here. The one boy, the older son, who would have seemingly at age 12, would have taken the, the death of his father, a major, he was a worship leader at Grace. You, he would have, you would have thought that he would have been most impacted. But what he did is we had a youth pastor, Jimmy, I think had already come down here, uh, in this particular story. Guys, I, I wish this was the only story, but it's not. But he embraced God. Our youth pastor reached out to him, Heath Cadell, and he just started discipling him, mentoring and loving. But people all over the church reached out to this family. Uh, and so what happened is he just, rather than allow his hurt to turn into an offense and why God, I'm sure those questions ran through his mind, but he trusted that God had a good plan for his life. The other young son began to pick a fence. God, if you love me, why did this happen? He began to question. He began to have anxiety. He began to have fear. Things began to consume him. Then we noticed after a while, again, as many times as people tried to reach out to him, he would just, just isolate himself. Then he began to not wanting to come to student ministry or church. His mom, a single mom now, trying to begin to have difficulty, begin to have problems at school because he began to hang out with the wrong people. How many know when this 1,300 words a minute, thousands and thousands, and you're sitting there dwelling on the negative, you're beginning to doubt God, when you're beginning to all the, that it, he began to, how many of you know every sin that you'll ever commit 
is tied to a lie. It's tied to a lie. And that you'll either justify your actions or you'll pick up an offense. So this young man began to choose to hang around the wrong people. And you know what it is? It's like when you bite into a lie, you're going to find other people that are going to bite into a lie, that are hurt, that are wounded. And wounded people wound people, healthy people heal people. Here at this church, I can tell you right now that this is a church that takes people that are wounded and makes them healthy through the power of Jesus Christ. And at the end of our service, we're always going to provide an opportunity for you to experience that life-transforming power. Now, these two young boys, 20 years later, the one boy ends up following God, going to Bible college, and now we're planning a church with him out in Colorado Springs. The other boy went from bad friend to bad friend to trouble to trouble, began to get involved in drugs and alcohol, and it led him down a lifestyle of repeated in-jail, out-of-jail, rehab program, rehab program, and literally to the point where he was almost in jail, happened to go to serve But I will tell you, 20 years later, this young man just recently realized after he's tried to do it on his own, tried to be mad at God, tried to be offended, has now surrendered his life to Jesus Christ and is saying, why did I waste so many years of my life? Look what my brother, my sisters, my family, I've wasted so much. But how many of you know, even though you may have wasted it, God says today's a new day. His mercies are new every morning. You don't have to live in hurts and wounds and offenses of the past. Because if you do, it will affect your destiny. Can God redeem it? Yes, he is. We're going to talk about that. First of all, you need to know that God loves you. How many of you know that God loves you? We sometimes know it here, but sometimes it doesn't work its way down to here. And we feel like, it's like this. God has a plan for your life. How many of you know Satan has a plan for your life? God says, I have come that you might have life, have it abundantly. Satan says, I've come to kill, steal, and destroy. He doesn't want you. Why does he want to come kill, and steal, and destroy? Because he realizes if you walk with God and you begin to let your mind be transformed through the power of Jesus Christ, life and salvation and other people's lives are going to be changed. He knows your potential. If you walk with God, Satan says, I've got to destroy that person. I've got them to be offended. I've got them to bite into lies. God, on the other, says, choose life. Blessings, not curses. God created you. He has a plan for your life. Psalms 139, 14 through 16 says, I will praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Now, guys, I grew up in church. I would say I loved God. I grew up in a, in a Catholic background. And I was a, a, one of the little altar boys, with, you know. Anybody here got a Catholic background? Okay. So, by the, so it doesn't matter what church you go to. It's who you worship, King Jesus. I would say I knew God here, loved God here. But there's a, there's a big distance. See, here in the South, I always tell people we have to almost get people unsaved before they can get them saved. In other words... They think they, they're going to go to God or to heaven because they know God here, but they've never trusted in Christ as their Savior here. That, that's the longest 18 inches. So when I came to the realization that I knew God here, I didn't know him in... I, I saw some people whose lives were radically transformed in front of me that I'd lived with my whole entire life. 
I said, you've got something I don't. And I trusted in Christ. They began to share with me what it means to have a personal relationship with Jesus. And God came in and he began to change me from the inside out. Guys, let me tell you where I was at that time. I was 16 years old. By the time I was 18 years old, I had been arrested multiple times. By the time I was 18, I'd been pulled over the, by the police 21 times. And my life was headed on a trajectory of going nowhere. And I was like the young man. The second option that I hung around the wrong people. I thought the wrong kind of thoughts. And my life was headed nowhere. But then when Christ came into my life, one of the ladies who had just led me to the Lord said, Randy, you just need to realize that God has a destiny for your life and he's going to change you. And when you begin to embrace a personal relationship with him and begin to accept God's destiny for your life, and what happened is, ninth grade, I could hardly read. What began to teach me how to read, I could read, but it was like very basic. Is you know why I was like that? Is because, see, I grew up in a family where my, my real father had left and abandoned us and our, the five children. And then my stepfather came in, and his message to me was this, Randy, if you had any brains, you would take it out and play with it. And I heard that over and over and over. What did it do to me? Is I began to believe the lie. All sin is tied to a lie. So what happened is I believed I could never be anything. I, believed, I, I had no hope for my future. See, but when God came into my life, it was like my eyes were opened and I began to sense this burden to love and to help other people because I lived under such lie, such hurt. The rebellion and all those things the lady led me to the Lord. She, she read me this verse. And she says, Randy, you need to go home tonight. Look yourself in the mirror and tell yourself, God doesn't make junk. How many of us look at somebody else? We sit there with our 1,300 words going through our minds saying, look at them, look what they've done. See, I'm telling you the power of Jesus Christ to transform is available to anybody who will realize you don't have to be defined by your past, but you need to be defined by what God says about your future and have hope. Jeremiah 29, 11 says this, For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. First of all, his plans were for you before you were ever born. They're not dependent upon your behavior, past, present, or even future. For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. See, we all like that verse because we all think that God has something for us. How many of you know God has a plan for your life? He does. But how many of us know that we sometimes can affect that destiny because we allow the lie of the enemy to come in here and what we do is we say, you're no good, you're not worthy, God can't forgive you, you'll never measure up to anything. But see, God says this, he has a great plan for you, but you're not going to find that plan unless you begin to willingly 
put wholeheartedly to put God first in your life and in every area, especially in the 1,300 words that are processing in your mind, landing in your heart about yourself. Because what you say about yourself is going to be impacted by what God says about you. If you want to know God's will for your life, he already has a great plan. This is how you're going to have to do it. You will call me, call upon me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with your whole heart. There's two things that you're going to stand before God when you die. First question God's going to ask you is what, you, what did you do with my son Jesus who died on the cross for your sins? Did you receive him? Did you know about him or did you know him? The second thing he's going to ask you is what did you do with the life and the destiny that I gave you? Were you a good steward with what I entrusted you with? How many of you know those two questions are going to be asked of you on the day that you die? 1129 says, For the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. In other words, before you were born, Ephesians 2.10 says this, that God has works that he has ordained for us to fulfill, working for his kingdom, serving in his house, works that he has to advance his purposes. It says the gifts and call. It's like this. You can walk away from God, but God's call and his destiny is not going to change. What's the difference between the Holy Spirit and the Holy Ghost? It's the same thing, but let me just, it's a joke. What's the difference between the Holy Spirit and the, and the Holy Ghost? Simply is this. The Holy Spirit is what comes in your life when you're born again and you begin to walk in God's love, God's destiny. But the day you decide to walk away from God, the Holy Ghost is going to haunt you until you come back. That's the difference. How many of you know the gifts and call of God are irrevocable? We can run from God, but God says, I can outlast you, I can outweigh you. And it may take 20 years, may take 30 years. How I many you know Moses had a destiny, called to be a leader? He tried to do it in his own strength without God. So what he did is when he saw an Egyptian beating an Israelite, he had been called to be a leader. And what he did, rather than seeking God and doing it God's way, he took things into his own hand and he ended up killing an Egyptian. And so he fled because of his sin. And he began to say, I thought I was supposed to be a leader, but I'm nothing now. And so for 40 years, he walked around that same mountain. I wonder how many times God beckoned him to come up to the mountain, but he didn't do it. I think every time he walked around that mountain, but it only took him 40 years until he finally says, okay, I'm going to go up the mountain. I know God's there, but I, I'm going to finally go. See, we are shaped by what we listen to. Those 1,300 words every minute. Either their life or their death. And whatever you process, you can, you can look good on the outside. You can attend church. But if you're allowing unforgiveness and resentment and bitterness, and you're believing what the devil says about you, you're listening to condemnation and shame and fear and guilt. Guys, there's a major... You guys did a, a major... Sermon series on spiritual warfare. Warfare. You know where the number one place where spiritual warfare takes place? Right here. Yep. And you're going to lose the battle every time if you let Satan win here. And when you learn to say, devil, 
you're not going to have me anymore. I forgave that person, and you're not going to, I'm not going to live the rest of my life being defeated like that anymore. We're shaped by what we listen to and our thoughts by who we hang out with. If you hang out with things that you shouldn't be watching, things that you shouldn't be listening to, I promise you it's going to lead to wrong people who have offenses, who have rebellion. Bad company corrupts good morals. Right? If I could give parents some advice, know who your children hang out with. How many kids you have seen, good kids raised in a good Christian home, they start hanging around wrong people, wrong people begin to affect what they think about. And I don't care if they attend your church. Watch who your kids hang out with because show me your friends and I'll show you your future. Parents, do whatever it takes to stop bad relationships because it defines their future. Then Satan comes in like a flood. You open a door an inch, he comes in with a mile-wide thing. As spiritual warfare, we are told to be more than conquerors. We're told to take, in 2 Corinthians 10, to take every thought captive and punish those that don't. Devil, you want to mess with me? I'm going to pray for 10 people to get saved. You know what I'm Proverbs 4.23 says this. It says, be careful how you think. Your life is shaped by your thoughts. Proverbs 23.7. For a man thinks in his heart, so he is. Now, if you've been listening to Satan, you're going to think, I'm no good, I'm not pretty, I'm not smart. How many of you know there's always going to be somebody prettier, brighter, smaller, shorter, whatever it is than you? Does it really matter? When God says those 168 commands in the Bible that says you're more than conquerors, you're called to overcome, you're precious, you know what you are? You're God's favorite child. You're precious in His sight. He doesn't make junk. You're forgiven. You're redeemed. You're justified. See, God wants us to begin to agree with what He says about us and begin to let our mind be consumed with that. Matthew 12, 36 and 37. It says, But I say to you that every idle word... Men may speak, they will give an account of it in the day of judgment. Now, the word idle there is, in, in the Greek, it's, a, it's called argos. And the word means inactive, idle, unfruitful, or barren. It also has the connotation of when a word is thought or spoken, that it, it, it produces no fruit. There's no faith involved. So, we have 1,300 words going through our mind, and God says every idle word that we speak, who are we speaking? Sometimes we're speaking those words to ourselves, and we're listening to the lie of the enemy. And there is no faith, there's no hope, because we're listening to the devil. Spiritual warfare at its prime. And God says, it's not only us, it's like this, wounded people wound people. What happens when we don't deal with our unforgiveness, we don't deal with our wounds? Out of the abundance of our heart, the mouth is going to speak, and you're going to tell your kids, if you had any brains, you'd take it out and play with it. And you're speaking a curse, a judgment. 
either blessings or curses. God wants us to change. We can still correct problems speaking the truth in love. We can correct problems. We can, we can encourage people. God's gift is that we're supposed to bring the best out in people, not the worst. But if we're constantly telling ourselves we're the worst, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth is going to speak. So let's look at four simple things that we can do, fairly simple, to change this tide. First, you have to immerse yourself in what the Bible says, you, who you are and what he's called you to do. First of all, you're God's favorite child. Loved, forgiven, special. And God has a great plan for you. Joshua 1.8.9 says this. It says, do not let the book of the law depart out of your mouth, but meditate it on what? Day and night. In other words, let your thoughts be consumed in God's word, what he says about you. Day and night literally means to chew the cud like a cow. Eat it, regurgitate it, chew it on it some more all day long as you've spent time daily in God's word. The transforming power is its ability to change literally your mental process. Meditate on it day and night so that you be careful to do everything in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. It's not if. It's a promise from God. In the New Testament alone, there are six, 168 things that says who you are in Christ. Those, when, we, when we dwell on the other things, it always leads us down a wrong path. Philippians 4.8 says, fix your thoughts on those things that are good, those things that are right, those things that are pure. God wants us to allow our minds, if you're going to be successful in this life, walking with the things of the Lord, you have to let the Spirit of God grow in you. There is a battle going on, either the dark side and judgment and curses, or the life of God, the presence of God, the power of God. Follow the light. Follow life. Speak life. Number two. You need to declare or confess what the Bible says you are in Christ. I don't know what your struggle is. You may have been abused, you may have been neglected, or you may be, have someone tell you if you had any brains, you'd take it out and play with it. For me, I had to begin to go home in the mirror and say, Randy, you're not a piece of junk. God has a plan. God has a future. You're special. You need to declare over you what God's word says over you because otherwise you'll still live with the lie of the enemy. Third thing is, there are, are tons of people out there who would like to define you. Satan would like to define you. Psalms 1 says this, Blessed is the man or the woman that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly. Do not let anybody else define who you are. Only God can define who you are. Do not walk in the counsel of the ungodly nor stand in the way of sinners. Bad company does what? Corrupts good morals. Show me your friends, I'll show you your future nor sit in the seat of the scornful, the rebellious, the divisive. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and he, he, in the law of the Lord, and he meditates on it, what? Day and night. In other words, 
You have to immerse yourself in the Word of God. You need to be having God, what God says about people. He loves them. He forgives them. He hates sin, but loves sinners. And fourth, God's called us to be a part of a family. He's called us to be in fellowship with one another. And we're to accept counsel and encouragement from godly friends. He, Romans 15, 14 says, I myself am convinced, my brothers, that you yourselves are full of goodness, competent to instruct one another. In other words, Hebrews 10, 25 says, forsake not the fellow of the saints. What God wants us to do, literally the word competent in counsel, is because you spent time in God's word. The people that need to be guiding your course are those Christians whose character and lifestyle, you know that they have their best. Jimmy and Ramona are going to speak truth and love into your life. You have a good pastor. This church is going to impact the kingdom. Your life is going to be transformed. Why? It's because he's going to put God first. You need to put God first and you need to be with God's people and make it a priority in your life. I would be as bold to say is there's some things in your life you need to let go so you can make God first. This world's going to try and, if he can't get you through sin, he's going to get you so busy you have no time for God. I promise you. I'm going to close with one verse and we're going to say a little verse, a little saying together. You've got 1,300 words in your mind. We need to make Ephesians 4.29 a Bible verse, a family verse. What is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. In other words, your words, even if they're corrective words, need to be loving words that encourage, edify, and build up. Not destroy, demean, degrade, and belittle. So we're going to say this little saying together. I want to say it a couple times. I'm going to read it first. It says, be loving and kind in all that we say and do. Can we practice that? Be loving and kind in all that we say and do. Be loving and kind in all that we say and do. One more time. Be loving and kind in all that we say and do. Now, if we would apply that principle, but I'd actually almost like to... What We need to be loving and kind in all that we think, say, and do. Would it not change your life? Now, I know there are a lot of people here today that are in a place where you need to make some changes and you need to start believing what God says. There are other people here who need to come into a personal relationship with God. And with that, I'm going to turn this over to Pastor Jimmy. We're going to close this morning by talking to those of you that may still have that separation of the 18 inches Randy was talking about. You see, this might be your first time in church. Chances are, because we're in the Bible Belt, I'm going to bet you've been to church many times and you know a lot about God. The question is, do you know Him? You see, we've been talking about it, we've been singing about it all morning, has been about the fact that Jesus died for you. And it is not just so that you can know that that was history. Knowing that that's a fact will not get you into heaven. No, it's about what Jesus has done in your heart. About recognizing he died for you and you want to live for him. If you have never made that exchange, I want to help you do that here this morning. The good news is it's not something that you have to be embarrassed by. I'm not going to ask you to stand up or come down front, but right where you're seated, I'm going to help you begin a conversation with God. Would you all join me and say something like this to yourself and to God? Lord Jesus, 
I thank you that you died for me. And now I do want to live for you. I thank you for your love, your mercy, your forgiveness. And my simple prayer here today is that you would give me a life of great meaning and great purpose in your kingdom. Amen. Let's celebrate with those people. Amen. for listening to the Grace Life podcast. For more information about us, you can go to gracelife.me. That's gracelife.me. You can also follow us on Facebook at facebook.com backslash gracelifeme and on Twitter at gracelifechurch.com.